You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. Today, a playoff podcast with ESPN Buccaneers reporter Jenna Lane, who provides excellent insight into the Bucks and what you can expect from them Saturday. We talk Tom Brady, of course, but also the impact of receiver Antonio Brown, the defense and all its blitzes, and how teams have beaten that blitz this season. Hint. It's not about the mobility. In fact, that's lower on the list. You can follow Jenna on Twitter at Jenna Lane ESPN. That's J-E-N-N-A-L-A-I-N-E ESPN. Again, look to her articles for in-depth analysis on a team you need to learn about this week. And of course, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about how Ron Rivera and Alex Smith and their stories have inspired this franchise. Later in the week, I'll talk about the defense getting after Tom Brady. And now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Jenna Lane. Well, first of all, Jenna, before I get into the game and analyzing this matchup and the Buccaneers and all that, you and I have both had kind of a crazy year covering our teams. What has it been like for you covering the Brady regime and Gronkowski and all that this season. I think we traded some emails at some point throughout the season or actually at multiple points throughout this season, just talking about the, the chaos that we've had to endure, <laughs> which is crazy because I got to tell you, during the off season, there really was no down period because of, of all the news and not just that, but just all the interest surrounding Tom Brady joining the Buccaneers. And then, of course, you add Rob Gronkowski to the equation. And then later on, you add Antonio Brown. There just hasn't been a dull moment at all this year. And even with COVID-19 and, of course, sports seizing for that period of time, I was really, really, really busy. I know you were, too. So um, we might both need to uh, try to try to get some more vacation time out of this when we finally do get to an off season, whenever that actually is. I don't know if it's going to happen though, between our two franchises, they just always seem to be making news. They, they do. And I, I look forward to a vacation at some point. Have you, what have you learned about Brady and covering him? Because he's obviously been around for a long time. This is your chance to cover him up close. What are some things that you've learned about him well, before I even had a chance to talk to him, which I have to say, it's been so bizarre. And you know this, every NFL beat reporter knows this. It's been so bizarre not being able to see these guys regularly in the locker room because even the quarterbacks where they usually speak at the podium, you try to go up to them during the week if you can. You try to build a relationship with them to where the only interaction that you're having with them isn't just during press conferences. You like to have a rapport with these guys. You like to get to know them as people and to cover a quarterback and not be able to do that because of COVID-19, we're not allowed in the locker room. 
it's been really crazy. I have had a chance to have a one-on-one with Brady and Zoom, and he was great. But it's just been really, really unique because I feel like there's so much about us that they don't know. And, and that's part of their comfort level in talking to us and opening up to us. Um, we're starting to get there, but it's it's just been really interesting how we've, we've tried to kind of make that rapport work when um, it's it's just very artificial. So that's definitely been a unique challenge. The same thing with Rob Gronkowski. But, you know, I, I talked to so many of his former teammates before I even had a chance to talk to Brady. They all said the same thing. He really wants to be seen as a regular guy. I can totally see that, even though he's, you know, married to this activist supermodel wife and Giselle Bundchen. They're two highly successful people. He's won six Super Bowls. He really, and he lives in, 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 Derek, in Derek Jeter's mansion, right? And just bought this super yacht. You know, he's got all these great things going for him in his life, but he really does want to be seen as, as a kind of a regular guy. And I think a lot of that, that stems from kind of his upbringing, the way his parents raised him. Um, but it's amazing to me. The biggest takeaway I have from it is, and Clyde Christensen, their quarterbacks coach, talked about that. He's only seen this maybe once before with Peyton Manning, but he talked about the fact that one player, because in football, I mean, it's it's so rare for one player to make so much of a difference, right? Even at the quarterback position, because you just have so many other things that have to go right. But he talked about the fact that, you know, Brady has this ability to just kind of will things in his favor, will things into existence. He'd only seen that with Peyton Manning. And I got to say, I, I totally believe it because – um, right away, the the sense of intensity of these practices. These guys worked hard before, but it's like, you know, the the sense of of uh, intensity and, and just urgency just rose exponentially. I could see it in practice with these guys. I knew they cared before, but it's like when you're around Brady, it's like you're you you see just how much he puts into it and just how much he cares about this, even as a media member. I, I feel like if I don't show up to his press conference with like just an arsenal of questions of good questions, like I didn't do my homework <laughs> that day. And I almost feel guilty just because I know how much that guy prepares and I know how much it means to him. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm fangirling or anything, but I've just never seen anything like it. And I've, I've interviewed professional sports stars, maybe not um, on a daily basis or watch them on a daily basis, but I've interviewed guys like Derek Jeter before highly successful people. I've just never seen it to this degree. This guy just cares so, so much about what he does. And, and, and to me, that's the, really the reason why he continues to do this. It's not just chasing all those Super Bowls. He's already got six of them. You know, what's one more to him. It's the fact that he just loves what he does so, so much. And he's so obsessed with winning. You know, and it's funny, Jenna, because we had a chance to see him up close when the Patriots practiced um, against Washington in a training camp several years ago. It was Jay Gruden's first year, and it's what stood out to me was how he would bark at guys if they weren't getting on the field fast enough into the huddle. And it's just like, oh, that – and it was just a little snippet, but I'm like, that's part of what separates that guy. That desire to do it right every time, no matter what you're doing, stands out. As a player on the field – how have you seen him progress this season in Bruce Arians' Well, offense? the coaching staff will tell you they knew it wasn't going to be perfect and it was going to take some time because they had no offseason. Bruce Arians has talked about it numerous times. When you miss 500 reps in the offseason or, or whatever it would be for a quarterback, um, there's not going to be that that um, you know synergy that you would ultimately like. And and. So each week, it's been a work in progress. I mean, he threw two interceptions in his week one game against the New Orleans Saints. And 
that was kind of uncharacteristic Brady. But, you know, he just he doesn't have he didn't have the, the relationships with these guys. He, he didn't have kind of the familiarity with the system. And, and something I would also tell people, because throughout the season, I've heard all of this. Well, he's playing in someone else's offense. Well, yes, he is, because they can't change the entire offense for one player with no offseason. It's just impossible to do. I really expect them this offseason to be able to do more in the way of of really, really collaborating. But initially, it was very much Tom Brady is, is running Bruce Arians' offense. As the season has progressed and as these receivers, that's the big thing, as these receivers have been more and more comfortable with, with the things that Brady wants, they've been able to do things like incorporate more of, of the, the quick the quick passing game, which we've seen with Antonio Brown. That's where I think his his value, I don't think, can be can be stated enough. So um, it, it hasn't been this this perfect finished product like people kind of expected it early on, but it's gotten better and better as the weeks have progressed. They've been on a roll as of late, but it hasn't been against particularly strong teams, right? Like it, it's, you know, great to put up 40 points, but when you're doing it against the Falcons right. and you're doing it against the Lions, what's it going to be like against real competition? And what's it going to be like against a real pass rush? They know that Washington definitely brings it up front. And, and speaking of that, what do you, you know, how do they contend with that? Because Brady's faced good pass rushes before in the, in the playoffs. I mean, this isn't the first time he's going to see this. And there have been times you get to him, it can help. How do you think they can counteract or will counteract? Well, that's a great question that? because against the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs do a lot of cover zero blitzes and the Bucs weren't really ready for them. And we saw Brady still dropping back, trying to fire a deep pass off to Mike Evans. And it's one of those things where I get it because they're basically not respecting your deep passing game, but they were getting to him so, so quickly. It was just so hard for him to be accurate. He ended up being accurate in the second half of those games, but it, it just, I think they had a lot of wasted opportunities because they didn't have kind of a backup contingency plan um, when it came to kind of getting the ball in some guy's hands. And I, I think he's doing a better job now of, of and I think Byron Leftwich uh, and Bruce Arians, you know, Byron Leftwich calling the plays, I think they're doing a better job of kind of anticipating uh, those opportunities. But, you know, when he has faced a lot of pressure in his face, I remember their week 10 matchup against the New Orleans Saints. He did not do well at all. So a lot is going to be on this offensive line. Tristan Wirfs, their right tackle, the rookie right tackle, has had an unbelievable season. Um, he he just has not looked like, like a rookie at all. I, I know people might <laughs> remember uh, he had a one-on-one -on -one matchup against Khalil Mack very early on in this season against the Bears that didn't go so well for him, but he has really shined this year. Donovan Smith, their left tackle, is a little more of a question mark. He can be up and down. He struggled most against the Saints, uh, against um, Cameron Jordan and, and Trey Hendrickson and stuff. So I'd be curious to see how he handles things. But, um, you know, overall, the last few games, they've done a better job protecting Brady. And also a big thing, and I should have mentioned this when you asked about Brady's impact on the team, they have cut down significantly on their penalties. This was the most penalized team in the league last year, and it is unbelievable to me how much their mm -hmm. discipline has improved with this guy. You talk about him yelling at guys to get on the field faster. This is definitely uh, an area that I have seen him impact this team in a real positive way. So we'll see if that can continue against tougher competition. And, and Jenna, you wrote a story too about Mike Evans and – you know, some of the questions, his status up in the air and all that, but also the trickle-down impact if he doesn't play. And it's very, for people listening, go read it because it's very insightful as to, you know, what how it changes for Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, everybody else. But first of all, do you think Evans will play? I mean, it's 
early in the week, so you may not even know yet. But what's, what do you have a gut feel on that? And then what is the trickle-down effect if he can't go? I don't even know if I can go by gut feeling on this because if you saw the replay of that injury, I don't know if you did. If you have a weak stomach, I might advise against it because – he hyperextended his knee, and it was a it was definitely a, a turf issue. The Bucks had um, their field had been used the day before the Outback Bowl game. It had rained. Uh, they had changed out the end zone, and it was very slick. Bruce Arians 100% attributed to that the field conditions, but he hyperextended his knee, and it was one of those things. The only other time I've seen anything like it was when Ben Roethlisberger a few years ago. It looked like his his lower leg bent, and it wound up being like a high ankle sprain or something. I, I thought for sure there had to be some kind of structural damage, but amazingly there wasn't for Mike Evans. He, he didn't, he didn't stay for the game. He immediately left the stadium, went to get an MRI. Um, they're cautiously optimistic. That's the word that that's been used when I've talked to folks inside the organization about it. Um, and, and I asked Bruce Arians too, well, what about the, the, the playing surface at FedEx field? And I know that they, they changed it this year um, or this past year, I should say 2020. But, you know, they are anticipating it to be cold and damp like it is up north this time of year. So when I said, well, that impact his availability, he's like, no, you know, it's, it's the playoffs. You know, you, right. you got to go out there. So um, they're going to try to test it out on Thursday this week. So they um, they're still not quite sure what's going to happen there. I know he did some pool running earlier in the week. He wasn't there for the team's walkthrough on Tuesday, or at least he didn't, he didn't do anything. He didn't exert himself during their walkthrough, I should say. Um, but uh, Arian said, you know, he, 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 you might have to fight Mike to get him to not play in this game. And Chris Godwin echoed that when he said that, yeah, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to be the one to tell him that he's not going to go. I would not want that job. So he's going to try to go. I've seen him as one of those guys where it's like come hell or high water, he'll try to play. But how how effective can he be? You know, <laughs> is, is, is that really a chance you want to take? Um, especially with a guy who is is really a pillar for your organization. I mean, how how effective is he going to be at being able to make cuts? Um, is he going to uh, be more cautious? You know, you really can't be when you're when you're playing a position like that. Um, maybe it's one of those things where they just use him in the red zone. I could totally see that happening because for three games this year, he had a, an ankle injury where he was really just playing on one leg. He was really nothing more than a glorified decoy, but he was able to uh, be quite effective in the red zone, which is where him and, and Tom Brady have really got a great a great connection. So I think if anything, maybe maybe they do play him. Um, I could see it be one of those situations where you don't use him much downfield. You use maybe more of Scotty Miller. He's a great vertical threat. He's a speed guy. Uh, but then you can use Mike Evans in, in the red zone. Um, as long as the playing surface is okay, but use him in the red zone because he's got such a good catch radius and, and he can play above the rim. Yeah. And and that that surface at FedEx has been the best it's been in years. Um, with What about Antonio Brown? His impact this year and the way he's seems to grow in this offense because now it seems like they're getting more Yeah, absolutely. Initially, I, I felt like his greatest impact was helping Tom Brady out in the short passing game, especially because Chris Godwin, when Brown got here, Godwin hadn't been practicing with Brady. Godwin has had a ton of injuries this year, a concussion. He's also had surgery on his index finger. At one point, he had 10 pins in that finger. They've since been removed. But, but he's just been banged up with so many injuries this year. And Brown's really allowed him uh, to be able to 
really incorporate that that short, quick passing game, especially because they don't really have um, receivers with great hands. Leonard Fournette's been better, um, but even he's had some some ball security issues. So you could see the the connection that Brown and Brady had. You could really see that from the get go. It was very similar to watching them um, in their debut, their one game they played last year, Patriots Dolphins. Uh, you could really see that connection flourish. And over the last few weeks, yeah, you're definitely seeing Antonio use more downfield. And I also think he's just he's just really kind of found his legs um, this past game. You know, his ability to, to stop and go and the suddenness and, and the change of direction and, and his shiftiness, I think, is what really separates him as a route runner. It's something this team doesn't necessarily have, but it's, I think, really allowed him. It allowed him to get the best of some of those younger defensive backs that they have in Atlanta for sure. But um, I know a lot of people are also curious as to kind of how he's been as far as a teammate and, and, of course, off the field. But I watch him in practice. Um, the guys are really happy for him. They're really supportive of him. I, I saw Rob Gronkowski and LaShawn McCoy kind of wrap their arms around him right away. And, and this guy looks focused when he's in practice. He looks very intense. He does everything all out 100%. He doesn't take plays off. And I know the coaching staff really, really appreciates that about him. And and then last thing, Jenna, too, turning to the defense. And JPP seems to have had a really good year. What what? do Washington fans need to know about this defense and yeah it's remarkable with JPP as much as people want to talk about the the hand injury um he had two fractured vertebrae in his neck and was able to come back and he has had a, a remarkable performance you know there were folks in this organization that did not know if he'd ever play another down of football after having having this neck injury and he comes back last year and in the first game or his first snap of the first game that he played in he, he notches a sack. The guy's just unbelievable. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, the guy that they really um, – that, that's made such an impact on this defense is not going to be out there uh, against Washington and Devin White. You know, he's led the team with nine sacks this year. They haven't had a double-digit sack guy. It's, it's kind of been spread around. Yeah. You know, Todd Bowles likes to blitz so much. Well, well, a Todd Bowles defense, anybody that's watched it closely knows – that it's, it's not just the pressure coming from the outside with Shaq Barrett and JPP. It's up the middle. He loves those double and triple A gap blitzes, and he does that all the time with Devin White. Um, in their game against the Falcons uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, White had three sacks in, in the fourth quarter, third, fourth quarter, to close out the game. He was the difference maker there. They're, they're not going to have him. And so um, I think that that really – that really is a game changer. He's a he's he's on the COVID nineteen list, and, and he tested positive for COVID. And as you know, with the rules, a player needs ten days uh, in order for them to come back, assuming that they have no symptoms. Well, if they were to play on Sunday, White would would be eligible for that game. But because the game is on Saturday, he's not eligible because this test happened on Thursday. So. They're going to be without him. That's a huge loss. They're definitely going to have to rely a lot more on JPP and Shaq Barrett. Um, and both those guys I've noticed have been switching sides more and more. It used to be that, you know, JPP uh, would, would be frequently taken on these left tackles and Shaq Barrett from the other side, but they've switched it up quite a bit this year, I've noticed, or at least in, in recent weeks. So they're giving those guys opportunities. Um Todd Bowles loves kind of creating mismatches in that department. Um, they've been effective. And then, of course, um, and Dominican Sue as well up the middle. Um, he's, 
I think doesn't get enough credit for the job that he's done. He's always taken on double teams. And, and with that, that kind of allows some of these other guys to get free, but, but don't, don't look at just, don't look at, at just Shaq Barrett and, and JPP. I mentioned Bowles loves to blitz. You'll see DBs blitzing up as well. Antoine Winfield Jr., son of, of NFL great Antoine Winfield Sr., um, he, he's a guy that can certainly uh, get after it, and, and he's a guy that they like to blitz too. Last thing, Jenna, and I appreciate your time, and I hope people listening appreciate I, I've all, I've told you before you came on, I like how you break things down. That's really why. I mean, I waited a day to get you on here for that reason alone, so I really appreciate that. Last thing. When Tampa's blitzing, what have teams done to hurt them against that blitz? What what where do teams have success against when they have success? It's usually it getting the ball out really it's usually getting the ball out really quickly. I think at times guys like Matt Ryan have done a really good job against that. Um uh, I think as well Patrick Mahomes has done a pretty good job. He did a really good job actually getting rid of the ball. I think Jared Goff as well. Um I think also you bring up a really good point with the Giants. I think that Jason Garrett did a really good job when they they played each other on national television at kind of using their aggressiveness against them. Um, I thought he did a really good job game planning that that as far as you know getting the the play action and things like that. That's the thing when you have guys that that do um, they're used to coming and and bringing that pressure. A lot of times you can exploit their aggressiveness, as you know. And so I think when teams have been successful, it's also been utilizing play action and really sucking up these linebackers. Atlanta even did it a little bit with Dirk Cutter with some of the play calls that they had. So I think uh, the play action passing game is one area that um, they've, they got better at it too, I, I noticed. But um, a couple of weeks ago against the Falcons, they had, they had some challenges there with the Giants. They had some challenges. So yeah, I think it's anytime this team, has um, struggled. It's when their aggressiveness has been used against them, and also just when they're not getting home. It's one thing to to have pressure, but you know when you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, that's going to leave you vulnerable in other areas of the field downfield. And and so if you're not getting to the quarterback quickly enough, or if you're just not getting home, right. um, then uh, they've had to pay for it. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, lonoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E. OAKCoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jenna for joining me and thank you, as always, for listening. Support Lono Coffee. I'll be back with another one either Wednesday night or Thursday morning with former Washington tight end Chris Cooley.
Talk to you next time.